with, you know, the problems with bees. We need the bees. Once the bees go, then we go, you know? And it's just so important to still have land out there to grow vegetables, especially in an urban environment. I think that when people get to see how things are grown and they're just walking through a neighborhood, not just kids, but even adults, like that's how green beans are grown or that's, you know, it's just to teach people. I hope that, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're teaching people that being local is really important. Being organic is extremely important. And I guess that's what I would just hope for that we're doing our job educating people and um, just bringing them closer to their food. Supporting your farmers is really important. I don't think people understand how much goes into producing food. It's insane. So many hours and farmers don't make that much money. And if people knew that, you know, it's like even all the, you know, if they're making dinner and they're, they're throwing away scraps, like save those scraps and make something else. Like <laughs> it was a lot of hard work to grow what's on your plate. Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Hi there, and welcome to Infinite Earth Radio, where each week we interview thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. Today, we share the last of three bonus clips on food systems from podcast Mike Hancock's recorded last year for Equitable Opportunity Radio with our colleague Carl Schneebeck. Today, we look at a hyper-local food entrepreneur who operates her business about 10 miles from the site of the new Partners for Smart Growth Conference. Stacy Givens, the farmer, chef, owner of the Side Yard Farm and Kitchen in Portland, Oregon, which provides local restaurants with creative organic produce and the community with food, farm, education, and opportunity is our guest today. The mission of the Side Yard is to provide local food for the local community. Stacy established the first urban farm-to-table catering company and nomadic supper club in the Portland area, and she sells harvest to nearby restaurants through a chef-to-chef produce service. The Side Yard also organizes community events such as do-it-yourself workshops, grief support groups, and kids camps. So Stacy, um, we're wondering when you're going to start doing something up there. You, you, you don't have enough things going on at the side yard farm and kitchen. So let's break that down for our audience a little bit. Maybe, uh, maybe explain a little bit about the urban farming and how the farming part of your operation works first. Sure. So we started the farm back in 2009, and we are located in the northeast neighborhood of Portland. That's a very special neighborhood. It is pretty much like... People like to call it the Urban Farm District of Portland. Before that, it's kind of the Homesteader District of Portland. They're known for small houses, but huge plots of land. So I was kind of pointed this direction. I started knocking on doors and I would ask people, what are you doing with this empty lot? Could I farm it? And that's how it all got started. So we have three properties all together uh, in the neighborhood, all located within a mile from each other. And we have one that's a quarter acre, One that's a third of an acre, and our newest one that we started this year is uh, one full acre, which is now our headquarters. We have our kitchen on site and our office uh, venue space for all of our events, and it's just wonderful. The whole community helped us build this new property, and um, we get visitors coming through like every day. It's pretty amazing. Sounds fantastic. So on those three pieces of land, 
How much produce or how much are you producing on those on those properties? Well, I mean, I don't have, you know, like per pound to tell you, but we have enough to pretty much supply 15 local restaurants. And that also includes our own catering company and supper club. Most of these restaurants are small scale, except for about two of them that are 200 plus seat restaurants. And they basically help us in a way that they take all our extra stuff. So I'll give them a call and be like, yo, I got like extra 40 40 extra pounds of tomatoes I need to push. Can you guys take them? They're like, sure, bring it. So, you know, it's nice to have a good mix of the small scale restaurants that will use our stuff. We know they're changing the menu every day, so it's perfect. And then larger restaurants that will just help us out with anything extra that we have. Fantastic. And how many folks, how many folks work in the operation? On the farm, we have two farm managers that work not full-time, but not part-time, like right in the middle there. Um, they're amazing. Their names are Lacey and Laura, and um, I wouldn't be able to do this without them. And I just hired them this year. Before this, I had one other farm manager, and that was it. It would just be me, you know, working 80 hours a week. Somehow I'm still working 80 hours a week, but uh, <laughs> and a ton of volunteers from just the community, the neighborhood, and from Oregon Culinary Institute, actually. They send us a lot of interns of kids that want to do farm to table. So they're in the kitchen with me and out on the farm. Nice. And can you give folks a sense of like how what types of things you're growing? And Sure. Uh, we grow a pretty wide variety of produce. Um, our season is from April to about October, November, depending on weather. And our specialty, like what we're known for is a variety of specialty herbs. So we'll do things like lovage, rau ram, shiso, papalo, lemon verbena, rose geranium. I mean, the list goes on and on. And these are just culinary herbs that are very interesting. I just try to make it kind of a chef's candy store, if you will, just uh, stuff they could play with that maybe large scale farmers, you know, don't have the capacity to have the control over just a small patch of specialty herbs. And then we grow tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, summer squash, eggplant peppers, and then our fast turnover crops, which are our lettuce mixes, arugula, mustard greens, radishes, high curry turnips, which are the little salad turnips. So, I mean, with urban farming, you got to think intensive farming and you have to think fast turnover crops because you're not going to plant, you know, a quarter acre to all of corn or storage onions because you won't make any money and you want to have a good variety for the chefs to play with. That's a great strategy. It was really important for us to understand how you you have to reconsider the way you farm in an urban environment and and with the the, the kind of small scale production on a on a small plot of land. I want to shift a little bit to learn about a, a part of your business that might not be as familiar to it might be actually maybe brand new to some of our listeners, uh, which is the nomadic supper club aspect. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that part of the business? Sure. Well, prior to the Nomadic Supper Club, we just had a regular old farm supper club, which started the same year I started the farm. Um, I was still cooking in restaurants um, at that time as I was starting the farm, and I still wanted to have my own thing and use my farm produce and, you know, use the eggs from my chickens and goat milk from the neighborhood to make cheese and just be creative and do my own thing. So I would do these, like, underground suppers and brunches at the farm once a month, and they just kind of got popular. And... At that time, we only had the one property. So I didn't really want to, you know, upset my neighbors too much by all the traffic coming through and hosting. You know, it's not it wasn't a legal kitchen there. It was just a house kitchen. And I just had to kind of be under the radar. So I decided in 2013 to uh, get a six by 10 cargo trailer and trick it out into a little catering kitchen 
and take it on the road, basically. So down to like the handcrafted tables that seat 24 people. Um, the trailer is exactly like my size. I could stand up in it and still not hit the roof. I'm pretty short. So it kind of works out perfectly for me. <laughs> and we take people out and give them an experience, you know, sometimes in the middle of nowhere, you know, out in the middle of a forest or a cornfield. We've done like a busy farmer's market, just kind of popping up there and did like a four course brunch. And we use all our produce. And we like to spotlight other farmers as well. So when we did the farmer's market brunch, whatever purveyors worked at that farmer's market, we sourced from them. So we do a lot of collaborations with a lot of artisans and chefs in town. Uh, relationships are really important to us. So um, they're a lot of fun. And, you know, you have like your plate and pitchfork type events that are 200 people like out in the middle of a farm. And, you know, I think that's amazing and wonderful to bring that many people together. But for me, it's the next level of bringing, you know, 24 people together sitting at, you know, at a table. They don't know each other. And it's family style service, how we do it. We course out four courses and they get to know each other really well. And it's just about the experience of seed to plate. Like all of that was harvested, you know, the day before, the day of. And you can just taste the freshness and that connection of hyper local, you know, on their plate to them. It's just a whole other understanding. People tell me all the time, like, this is the quality and um, even down to the garnish of picking like the micros before we leave, like micro radishes or micro carrots and herbs they've never tasted it kind of blows her mind. So it makes me happy. <laughs> it must be fun too, for people who have, who have participated in one of your um, supper club events to see the trailer parked somewhere and either feel bad that they're missing out on another wonderful brunch uh, or just to have some really nice feelings and thoughts about their community that, Oh, there, there's Stacy and her, her nomadic supper club again. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and like I said, sometimes it's in the middle of nowhere and those are really long days. Like we'll take this trailer out and sometimes we get stuck in the mud. Sometimes we you know pop a tire and it's like a 17 hour day, 18 hour day just to put, you know, set up a whole restaurant out in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes we just bring a roll of toilet paper and when they ask where the bathroom is, I just point to the forest. And, like, <laughs> and that's just how it is. It's a true experience, you know, but we even pair up all the time with like, um, you know, beverage people, whether it's a distillery or winery or brewery, and they come with us as well. And like I said, we love to collaborate. So it's always, you know, spotlighting them and having them trek out there with us. So it's just a lot of fun. So this is like a very interesting business model, right? You're, you're going from, I think you said from from seed to plate. Was that the expression yeah. you used? Yeah. And you're personally operating at, at all levels of this. You're, you're from the from the farming to the to the being the chef. And it sounds like a tremendous amount of work, but it also sounds like you love it. So how did you end up being a farmer, a chef, and an innovative entrepreneur? How did you end up here doing this? Uh, well, I've always been passionate about cooking. Um, I started out at age 15 working for my brother's restaurant down in Southern California. And prior to that, I just grew up in a huge Greek family. Uh, my mom is from Greece and my dad, he's from Little Rock, Arkansas. So I just grew up with really good food and everything made from scratch. My mom would just make us a fresh meal every single day. And that's just what she did from fresh bread to tending like the fruit orchard in the backyard and uh, the vegetable garden, which was always, you know, Greek staples like eggplant, peppers, tomatoes, you know, everything for a Greek salad. I like to <laughs> joke about. It's true. So it's kind of I was around that my whole life. And moving to Portland about 10 years ago, I moved up here for the food scene and just started working at restaurants and found myself at a place called Rocket, uh, which is now called Noble Rot. Rocket went out of business, but uh, they have a rooftop garden and it was uh, the first of its kind in Portland. And I asked the chef, hey, but, you know, I want to share my time with 
within the kitchen and the rooftop as is possible. And it turned out that they were expanding the rooftop at that, the rooftop garden at that time. So it was perfect timing. And I got to work with the master gardener up there, Mark Boucher Cobert, who was still up there to this day at Nobarat. Uh, he's a mentor and a good friend of mine. But I was lucky enough to spend about 20 hours a week up on that rooftop. And that's where I learned to do intensive farming. And I fell in love with it and that connection of just growing your own food and bringing it down to the kitchen and preparing dinner. I thought there was no other way to cook after that. So when Rocket went out of business, that's when I started going door to door in the Coley neighborhood. And Mark put me in touch with some friends of his that had a plot of land in the Coley. And I'm still there to this day. So that's kind of how that started, the whole farming thing. And with cooking, like I said, it's just always been a passion of mine. And I've worked at a ton of restaurants, just worked my way up the West Coast and really happy I found myself in Portland and continue to work in restaurants up until about four years ago is when we started the catering company. Your story is such a great story in so many ways, right? There's the food and the preparation and the businesses that you run. And, but the, the one thread I see running through all of this is, uh, you know, the, the connection, the partnership, the relationships that you have and how, how kind of you talk about how important that is to your business. Yeah. Do you, are you building a community um, of the people who are eating your food too? Are they supporting your business? Are they looking out for you and feeling the sense of connection that you're creating? Yes, definitely. I see repeated times, the same diners over and over that come to our events. You know, they might come to one of our fancy suppers, but then I'll see them at like a bike and movie night at the farm at a casual event. And then some might end up at a grief group. We, we host grief groups as well. After I lost my father, I decided I'm done with going to grief groups in hospitals. Why not have one at the farm? It's such a beautiful place. And I think it'd be easier for people to share the loss of their loved one. So I get to see these same people over and over and I love it. And they get to tell their friends and then I get to meet them and we just become this big old family. And that's what I like to describe the side yard as is just one, you know, big family of like a village really of people coming together. Um, it's a lot of hard work to, to keep a urban farm going with the way that, you know, gentrification is just, you know, it's like sweeping through Portland right now in a major way. And um, we have so much support from the community just coming to volunteer and help us out. And hope that, you know, I know that we'll be able to stay where we're at for a long time. I'm blessed with the three landlords I do have, and they all want the land to be used for farming, period. They bought these properties so that, you know, huge apartment complexes or condos or housing development wouldn't go in. It would just be out of place in this neighborhood. There's not even sidewalks in this neighborhood. So, yeah, we love our community. Well, you've, you've touched on the, you know, the, the collaborative nature of, I don't even want to call it a business. I don't the village description seems a more accurate description that you used. But the collaborative nature, the community that you've uh, really brought about and in, in, with intention in building your business. You know, you also allude to uh, education and opportunity uh, in your mission. And, you know, our, the series that we're putting together here in this podcast series is really about the connection between the food we choose to eat local and sustainable food systems, and then, but also the economic opportunity and equity. And maybe you could tell us about the opportunities that your business is creating uh, and the, the ways that you're doing that. Yeah, um, we host a few uh, workshops throughout the year that I find really beneficial to, uh, especially Portlanders. You know, Portlanders are known for raising backyard chickens and goats and, um, you know, homesteading and stuff like that. So, we host a workshop 
uh, called a DIY poultry slaughter workshop. And this is basically for those type of people that, you know, there are times where you do have to put, you know, your chicken down. Maybe they're getting too old or they got sick or a raccoon attack happened and they're not completely out of pain and suffering. So I, get, I would get phone calls all the time. Hey, can you come, please help me, please come like kill my chicken and put them out of their misery. And I just finally decided like, I'm just gonna have a workshop for people uh, to show them how to humanely slaughter their own bird. And they're, and they're welcome to BYOB if they do have like some old hens that they wanna bring, then that's fine. So they could go through the experience of raising their own bird and you know the slaughter and then breaking down the bird and taking it home and actually cooking it for your family because people there's a huge disconnect you go to the store and you see your chicken or turkey or duck with the styrofoam and the surround wrap and there you go but when you go through this process it's really emotional and there's been people that stopped eating meat after they've been at this workshop there's been vegans that have come to this workshop just a wide variety of people that are just very interested in the process and I feel that if you are going to eat meat that you should be able to go through this process and um, then we just do cooking classes we had a really great kids camp for about four years taught through living city but unfortunately this season they decided to uh, dissolve their business so right when the season was starting they gave us the news and it was unfortunate but we're going to get it going again next year so through the through the um, your various operations, how many jobs like are there many folks who are kind of making a, a livelihood off of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean the two farm managers are able uh, to make a living wage, and uh, on our catering staff, we have about a list of ten to twelve people that are just on a rotating list. I'll put out all the dates for the weddings or events coming up, and then you know first come first serve, but. We pay them extremely well. Catering pays really well. We always tip them out and we feed them, you know, as well. And that's also the benefits of working for Side Yard. Um, no matter if you're on the catering staff or on the farm staff, you're going home with whatever produce you want, you know, every time you're working. And there's always wedding leftovers. <laughs> so you get to go home with a bunch of food. And uh, I feel like just like the Greek mother comes out of me. Like I just i am always feeding people way too much or I buy too much food. I say it's on purpose, but honestly, I just buy too much food. It just, it's, in, it's just in me. And then, then I feed everybody and everybody's happy. That's great. Yeah. So one of our other guests in this series, they define local. You know, this, the whole definition of what's local is um, a question now. And, uh, you know, one of our guests defined it as a 100-mile radius from where they were located. But you, your work's been described as hyper-local. Can you explain what local means in the context of, of your farm and your operation? Sure. Yeah, I feel like we go a little nuts with local. Uh, we like to kind of stay within the Coley neighborhood if we can and support our neighbors. Uh, there's two other urban farms in this neighborhood, and I source produce from them for events that I do, things that I don't grow, things that I find interesting. And I also support a flower farm that's about two blocks away. They're called Sun Blossom Farm, and they do beautiful flower arrangements. So besides them, there's homesteaders throughout the neighborhood that just have goats and I could get goat milk, like my old farm manager, Sarah, she raises her own goats. So from time to time, I'll get a gallon and just to make some goat cheese for events, local eggs within the neighborhood. My buddy of uh, Red Truck Homestead, my buddy Mike, he has a bunch of duck, duck and chicken eggs. So I source from him. And uh, Fox and Bear Urban Farm, I get eggs from them as well. They're in the neighborhood. So our goal is to pretty much stay within two miles 
for almost everything for our events except for proteins. Um, there's some things, of course, that we can't get our hands on. Like, you know, nobody's going to grow a bunch of celery, you know, or a bunch of storage onions or something. For that, we have to source, oh, no, like 20 miles away at Bucky's <laughs> Island at my friend's farm, Vibram Valley. Or so... You know, we do take it to the next level. Like 100 miles to me, I'm like, whoa, that's way too far. I don't think we <laughs> use anything from 100 miles away. So, yeah, I just feel really lucky because Portland's great, but especially the Northeast Coley neighborhood. So, Stacy, how can our audience learn more about the work that you're doing and how can they be supportive of the work that you're doing? Uh, I update the website pretty often. So you can go on the sideyardpdx.com for any updates. And then there's also a link on there to sign up for our newsletter. And I'll put out a newsletter probably quarterly. Um, I try to anyways. Uh, then there's always Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I try to get on that. It's I, I don't have like a PR person or anything. It's just me. So I do my best with like taking as many photos as I can. And But yeah, or you can just show up, man. People just show up. <laughs> it's like every day. People do. They just come by and I'll be working in the office if it's not a farm day. And I'll give them a tour. We also uh, host a lot of farm tours for businesses or for anybody interested, really. And we could do a lunch as well. Stacy, you're full of energy. You're, you're amazing. You're doing a lot of just great stuff. So this question might be hard for you to even imagine. But so at some point, you're sitting down with your uh, having a conversation with your future self, you know, the Stacy that's a lot older, a lot wiser and probably full is just so full of energy. But but w- what what would that Stacy say to you about? why what you're doing today is important and the impact of the work that you're doing? That's a good question. I mean, with the way the world is going right now with, you know, the problems with bees, we need the bees. Once the bees go, then we go, you know, and it's just so important to still have land out there to grow vegetables, especially in an urban environment. I think that when people get to see how things are grown and they're just walking through your neighborhood, not just kids, but even adults, like that's how green beans are grown or that's, you know, it's just to teach people, I hope that, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're teaching people that being local is really important. Being organic is extremely important. And I guess that's what I would just hope for, that we're doing our job educating people and um, just bringing them closer to their food. Yeah, that's really fantastic. I think reconnecting people, I, I think it starts with reconnecting people to food as opposed to a lot of the stuff that people eat that's not food. Wow. And, and then reconnecting them to the people who grow it and the process I, and, and then recon- and connecting folks to, within the community as community. So I think that's all such great stuff. Yeah, I mean, supporting your farmers is really important. I don't think people understand how much goes into producing food. It's insane. So many hours and farmers don't make that much money. If people knew that, you know, it's like even all the, you know, if they're making dinner and they're, they're throwing away scraps, like save those scraps and make something else. Like <laughs> it was a lot of hard work to grow what's on your plate. Yeah. And, and to some degree, we, you know, we have this economy. Our, our whole food system was really, you know, based on a lot of policies coming out of the depression where we what the goal was to move people out of farming and into industry and yeah. to replace farm labor with petrochemicals. Right. So. Yeah. And now we've got the situation where we have global warming, you know, petrochemicals are really expensive. And we have a lot of underemployed people. 
And we have a lot of very unhealthy people because the food that we ended up eating as a result of all those policies uh-huh. is is not very terribly healthy for people. So this whole movement back, how do we un, unwrap that system and move back to um, a, a, a food system that's healthy for people, the planet, and for our economy, um, I yeah. think is just so critically important. So unfortunately, we're out of time today, but we, we think what you do is fantastic. And we're just so grateful that you spent some time with us today. And um, we would love to, um, I'm going to be out in Portland in a couple months. I'd love to come see what you're doing. So that would be great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, the Local Government Commission, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.